Praise the Lord. We are going to look at Proverbs 21 in conjunction with Psalms 112 today. And so let's read the book of Proverbs, chapter 21 again. If you haven't read recently and you'd like to read, very clear voice if you could, loud enough and slow enough. Would someone please read that if you haven't read recently? Proverbs chapter 21. You can read half of the chapter and someone else can read the other half. 1 through 15 and then 16 to the end, please. If no one is available to read who hasn't read recently, then maybe after a few seconds, if someone did read recently, you can also read. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. The violence of the wicked will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. The way of a guilty man is perverse, but as for the pure, his work is right. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. When the scoffer is punished, the simple is made wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. The righteous God wisely considers the house of the wicked, overthrowing the wicked for their wickedness. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, will also cry himself and not be heard. A gift in secret pacifies anger, and a bribe behind the back, strong wrath. It is a joy for the just to do justice, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. That's New King James Version. NLT Version, verse 17 onwards. Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. The wicked are punished in place of godly and traitors in place of the honest. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. The wise conquer the city of the strong and level the fortress in which they trust. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Mockers are proud and haughty. They act with boundless arrogance. Despite their desires, 
the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work some people are always greedy for more but the godly love to give the sacrifice of an evil person is detestable especially when it it is when it is offered with wrong motives a false witness will be cut off but a credible witness will be allowed to speak the wicked bluff their way through but the virtuous think before they act no human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the lord the horse is prepared for the day of battle but the victory belongs to the lord praise god praise the lord praise god we see in this chapter of proverbs that god wants his people to be upright he wants his people to be righteous and the lord says that the upright and the righteous person is obviously one who does not shut his or her ears to the cry of the poor and as we just heard is not one who would um withhold from giving would not be greedy God equates righteousness, uprightness, justice with people who concern themselves with those outside of their immediate self-centered needs. Concern themselves with those outside of their own families. When the Lord told the parable of the good Samaritan, he said the one who's in need who is your neighbor, the one who's in need. And the good Samaritan didn't come by and make a sign of the cross and say God bless you and felt that he did a good deed and went on his way to do his business, but he gave of his substance. some people are greedy but the righteous gives and doesn't consider doesn't spare he who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will cry himself and will not be heard whoever reproaches or whoever ignores the cries of the poor or puts down the poor actually reproaches the lord goes directly against god it's written elsewhere that's something we avoid as God's people because it's the work of the flesh to be self-centered psalm 112 is a wonderful psalm about the legacy of a righteous man and how his children will be blessed because the man who's righteous is not simply a man who is holy and moral with regards to his personal purity but is a person that gives and considers other people's needs and dispenses of his own substance to help others we're able to always make a choice as believers whether to act unselfishly or selfishly at any given point we can always make that choice and as we read the word of god we see in the proverbs and the psalms as we look at psalm 112 in a moment as well as in the book of james and the gospels all over the place in the holy word of god we see that people of god are generous if they are walking with God but when they defect from following God then they revert back to their old adamic nature which is looking out for number 1 and as we said yesterday with the widow 
the concept is lost on them as to how to give to the point that it hurts. Not hurts the person spiritually or emotionally, but it costs something. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 25, When you saw me hungry, you fed me. Oh, you are righteous. Come. Come. Those at my right hand, my sheep. Righteous ones, come enter into the joy of your Lord. Righteousness is equated with loving kindness. Practically shown to people in need. There are some people who become believers, but their responsibility to take care of their own household goes beyond God's prescription for righteous living. Because it's at the exclusion of giving to those in need. The righteous person not so much concerned about self-preservation as he or she is concerned about alleviating the troubles of his or her neighbor. There are some people who raise their families and teach them to give. Not simply a handout once in a while, but an intentional concerted effort to pray and say, Lord, help us with the substance that has come into our hands from you, Almighty God, possessor of heaven and earth. How should we spend our money? And Lord, you've called us to take care of our own. He who doesn't take care of his own is worse than an infidel, the Apostle writes in the New Covenant. We must take care of our own. but also go beyond the borders of our own to those who are the outcasts and the downcast. Those who are unfortunate in life and show mercy. The one who is generous and shows mercy will himself be blessed by the generous God. He will get riches, honor, and life. It's a win-win situation. But the motive is not profit. The motive is to bless others so that they may give glory to God even when they see your good works. Matthew 5.21. Would someone please read that? Matthew 5.21. Actually, uh, it's not 5.21. It's 5.16. Someone please read 5.16. Matthew 5.16. Matthew 5.16, NLT version. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Amen. It's connected with God. If uh, I'm born again, I'm a child of the living God, then it's an aberration, it's a deviation from the normal Christian life, the life of Christ within me, to not consider the poor, not consider those who are unfortunate, beginning in the house of God. Paul the Apostle took up a collection for the poor saints, the oppressed, the persecuted, people who were hunted and had their property confiscated. There was a concern in the Apostle's heart, because, not because they were part of his organization, but because of the love of God for the saints. In a number of epistles, you see at the beginning, 
the apostle commending the recipients of that particular letter, saying that your faith and love are known throughout the whole world, or this particular region, or that region. How is it manifested? Because of your care for the saints. Who? Primarily the unfortunate. It begins in the household of God. If a person that doesn't take care of, a, of his or her own family, according to the flesh, is considered an infidel, faithless one, a traitor, how much more a person who's born again, who ignores the needs of those who are oppressed and under financial burden, how much more that person will be considered faithless? Because faith and love go hand in hand. What God says we possess from Jesus is a faith which works by love. So faith that doesn't have love, 1 Corinthians 13 also, is uh, essentially useless. Let's go to Psalm 112. And I'd like someone please to read that in the New Living Translation. In fact, let's hear it in the New King James first, and then in the New Living Translation. Two of you can please read that. Psalm 112, New King James Version. The blessed state of the righteous. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, New Living Translation, Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They can share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. 
wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away their hopes thwarted. Amen. Amen. So we see that the righteous person, the upright, has a lifestyle of being generous, lending, giving. And what God says is, He rewards such people because they are reflecting His nature, they're doing His will by caring for the needy. Now when we think about handout, sometimes there's a negative connotation to it, that people keep getting handouts, which is giving money or a portion of something to a needy person. The Bible also says that we should warn those who are lazy to not be lazy. And that if a man doesn't work, he should not eat. The Apostle says that. The Apostle says, when we were among you, even though we preached, we worked with our hands. You saw that. We wanted to be a good example to everybody. Examples to everyone. But when one is working and not able to make ends meet, doing the best they can, or is afflicted in some way that he or she is not able to work or work as much as he or she needs to. Certainly, it's the duty of those in the household of faith to lend a hand. Now, if one is doing evil, if a household is engrossed in evil, they may be Christians, but they're carnal and they're wasting, as we heard read, The wicked person, the foolish one, squanders what's been given. If a person is squandering, and we spoke about this before sometime, sometimes you'll see those who are under financial burden, wasting food. They'll give the plate of food that they have to the children. And if the child is picky and says, I don't want this, I don't want that, okay, no problem. Take the whole plate. Maybe three-fourths of the plate or half of the plate and just dump it in the garbage. That's a terrible thing to do in the sight of the Lord. But people think nothing of it. If you don't like it, throw it out. For such people, we're not called to support that behavior by giving. Others who may know the Lord, but they refuse to work or work like they should or work a job that's available, but they are too proud to work in that job. For such people, we're not called to go and support that sinful behavior. But for people whom the Lord directs us to, who are doing what they can, and they're in the household of faith, there's obvious suffering, how can I keep myself content with my warm house and my full fridge, as it's written in the book of James, not have bowels of mercies, to go and reach out and help my fellow man, especially a brother or sister in the faith. Let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 16 and we're going to see further light on this from the Lord Jesus for you and for me concerning money concerning generosity and the connection again once again of that to righteousness how God sees a person who's righteous not simply a, a person who knows how to conduct himself in a moral manner an ethical manner as per his own purity but one who is generous in gifts Luke chapter 16 and would someone please read this from verses 1 
to 15. Luke 16, 1 to 15. You said Luke 15, verses 1 through 16, Pastor? Luke 16, uh, Jody, 1 through 15. Oh. Okay, thank you. Sorry about that. Okay. No problem. It's the praise the Lord, New King James Version, version Luke 16, chapter 16, verse 1, the parable of the unjust steward. He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said with himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He, so he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by upright, by unrighteousness. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fall, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. Now, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derived him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Great Lord. Praise God. Very direct teaching there from the Lord. Although it came by way of a parable. Concerning money and giving. But also with an added insight into the reward system God has. That can be actually planned out by us. As we heard Prashant pray in the beginning there. He mentioned about the mansion or the rooms that God has prepared for his children. The Lord Jesus will come back for us to take us to be with him. He said specifically that you may be where I am. He's not coming and saying, I'm going to put you up 
in this hotel or that hotel, you can come visit me or I'll come visit you. He said that you can live with me. Where does God live? He lives in the most glorious habitation. God Almighty. And he wants to tabernacle with us. And he's preparing a place. And he said, if I go and prepare a place, I will come back, receive you unto myself. I'll take you to be where I am. And here he speaks of habitations, everlasting habitations, directly connected to the use of a believer's money. To make friends, not in the world's way, but in a wise way with an eternal perspective, that as I follow the Spirit of God with the real compassion, the tender mercies, the bowels of compassion, as the primary motivation, I also understand that God sees everything and He will see to it that when I get to heaven, according to the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be people there waiting, actual people, to welcome me into eternal habitation. Habitations. The use of money. The, that steward became wise all of a sudden when caught in a predicament. But God says the children of this world, they're much wiser than the children of the kingdom or the light. In other words, he says I, they know how to use the money properly because they know what they're after. But we're not after temporal gain. He that loses his life for my sake will gain it in the end, the Lord Jesus said. So we're looking toward heaven. I want to build, and Pastor Kerber shared this with some of you, that the more you labor and the more you give to those in need, Jesus said, you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. The more you're building your habitation in heaven, it's true the Lord builds it, but we also can determine the quality of our everlasting abode. There are differences. Inasmuch as one star differs from glory to another star. And how is it that all of this is connected? Simply from giving to the poor or to the needy. What a grand perspective and reality. The connection of giving to the poor and giving to those who are in need, especially in the household of faith, and that too, guided by the Spirit of God, not haphazardly, not to quell my conscience merely, but to know what God wants me to do and to whom to give and when to give. There are those believers who give on impulse, carnally, without consulting the Lord or being led by the Spirit, and you know what they end up doing? End up supporting the bad habit the wasteful lifestyle, the lazy outlook and behavior of those who know Christ who have adopted a carnal way. But the believer who consults the Lord and exercises discernment, not judging in a condemning way, but asking the Lord, Lord, should I give? And when should I give? And to whom? And how much? Don't you think that the Lord, who told this parable in detail, and followed it up with a practical application for all believers of all time, would direct us by spirit, giving us the wisdom that he says we ought to have more than the world in giving? who to give, what to give, how much to give, when to give. What to give and how much to give are not necessarily the same thing. 
what kind of resource should I give? There have been many a time, perhaps some of you experienced it, I'm sure, when uh, driving in the city, especially New York City, at the traffic light, someone will come, sometimes holding a cardboard sign, sometimes not, come to the car window, ask for money, have a cup. And when offered a sandwich, will refuse the sandwich and insist on money. You can be sure, most probably, that individual is looking for money, of course, not to get food, but to support a habit that is unhealthy and self-destructive. Those cases, can I say, well, God said to give, and don't refuse one who asks you, and I'm going to give, and actually support someone destroying themselves or others. We need to exercise wisdom. With everything God says, there's a way to do it and a time to do it. But we're looking at the generous man, the upright man in Psalm 112. We're looking at Proverbs 21 and Luke 16 as to how it all ties in. And the essential question for us this morning is, when was the last time I gave to one in need? And what did I give? Was it sacrificial? Was I led by the Spirit? Did I ask the Lord? Did I pray along with the giving? What was my motivation? And did I ever think that my giving is connected to my everlasting habitation? Amazing. Amazing. As we look deeper into Scripture, we can see God gives us all the reason to be very industrious and not lethargic in carrying out his instructions precisely. So that not only am I a blessing to others, but he who waters will be watered himself also. God will see to it that we are blessed. The seed of the mighty, or I should say the seed of the righteous, will be mighty upon earth, Psalm 112 says. Who is this righteous man? He's a man who is very giving, generous. What is your definition of generosity? What is your definition of giving? What is your definition of loving your neighbor as yourself, especially in the household of faith, and in giving to God, and when we give to those in need, even the least of the brethren, Jesus said, you're giving it to me. I will personally welcome you into my kingdom as one of my true sheep. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May the Spirit of God kindle within us holy desires to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, but actively look as we do in our church Samaritan's Purse, distributing to the needy all over the world during Christmas time, or giving Bibles, making things, giving to the senior citizens as we did one year, to orphans, to widows. We can do a lot through the church body, and that's where it starts. But also above the tithe and above the offerings through the church, a personal lifestyle of giving, and that too, cheerfully. If a person has two coats, the Lord says, give to the one who's in need. Today we can have many articles of clothing. Even clothing that we really don't use, but it's mine, you see. And it's going to stay put. It's mine. I worked hard for it, or I got it as a gift, as a gift and it's going to stay here. I like it. Instead of considering, well, I'm not even using it. Why don't I be intentional? Either through the church, or individually, with my family, Going and finding out who's in need and giving it to them. 
telling them Jesus loves you, giving them a gospel tract. You see, because giving to the poor primarily for kingdom people should be the gospel, not simply social charity. We want to help them, as it says in the book of James, don't say God bless you and when the person needs clothing, say God bless you, stay warm and not give them what they need to stay warm and to be filled with the food they need. But we want to give them the bread from heaven, the living bread that will never perish, which will endure unto everlasting life. As the Lord said, I believe John chapter 6. We want to give the living bread along with the physical bread. We want to give the clothing called righteousness, righteous garments, through the gospel. While we give the garments to cover themselves from nakedness and cold. The Spirit of God directs us very precisely how to do it, what to give, when to give, how to give. And our focus is, as I meet the creaturely needs of my fellow human being, especially the poor in the household of faith, guided by the wisdom of God, not to support laziness or wastefulness, But I understand when I do it unto the least of the brethren, the Lord Jesus says, we're doing it unto him. What a joy. What a joy that I'm doing unto Jesus and what a joy I'm actually giving it in front of my eyes to my brother or sister. And uh, I have consulted with the Lord, not doing it impulsively, but actually thoughtfully. Asking God and being ready to give it. Not asking God, seeing how much less he may say. God knows all about us. God loves a cheerful giver. And we need to flip this switch, as they say, or flip the script. In our own lives, if we have been one who has been miserly or very calculating in how much I give, but notice the righteous person doesn't spare or doesn't hold back. We do take care of our own. We're supposed to. But there's an element of godly generosity when it comes to other people. Because you know what? I love them as I love myself. What a beautiful way to live. And what a way to live that God commands us to live. Hallelujah. To do the will of our Heavenly Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May the Lord help us to receive the word of God with meekness, this engrafted word, which is able to, hear this, save your souls. How? Be generous. What does that mean? Am I saved by works? Well, the Lord said in Matthew 25, if you're not generous and caring, you're not making it to heaven. How is that? Because the gift is free. Salvation is free. If I despise it by refusing the nature of Christ, doing the works of the Spirit of God, do not do my good works so that people may see the light, the good works, shine the light before men, that it may glorify my Father which is in heaven, then I'm clearly saying I'll be a rebel. But we're not of that sort, praise be to God. We're of the sort who will be good children, obedient children, ready to do everything that God commands us to do. There are people who do social charities, social works, good works, but they cannot give the living bread. We have the privilege of through the physical bread, offering living bread many times to those in need. And we have blessed them both temporally 
as well as eternally. What a joy. What a joy. And remember, while we do acts of charity and are generous, God says you give and the measure to which you give, it will be measured back to you. God will see to it. Hallelujah. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Press down into that container. Shaken together and running over. Didn't God say in Malachi, test me? You come, fill my storehouse and see that I will open the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing from my hands to you that you won't have room enough to contain it. All of these considerations are important as we read Proverbs 21. That we ought to be generous, unselfish, not calculating, giving glory to God and knowing the ramifications of our particular obedience or disobedience to what God says to do. As far as being concerned about my brother or sister, exercising wisdom, consulting him on how and what to do and to whom, and that it has eternal implications. Not only the habitations of a extravagant or luxurious, luxurious sort, but my very entry into heaven is connected to it, as we see, not only in Luke 16, but Matthew 25. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May the Lord help us to be joyful, have a heart full of thanksgiving for what God did for us, many times through other believers and even strangers. But it came from God Almighty who directed them to bless us. Now God says, go and do the same thing. Be led by the Spirit of God. And know that God will bless us very, very richly. Beyond what we've ever given. What a freeing life. Not to hoard, but to house other people with the blessing of God, the living bread and the physical bread. I pray and I trust that clarity has come from the Spirit of God, from the Word of God on exposing some of the errors on giving and giving us exactly what we need by way of God's counsel to do it right by Him and be blessed tremendously while we're a blessing to others, blessing to God Himself. Because he says, you're giving it to me. When you clothed the naked, the least of my brethren, you saw me and you clothed me. When you clothed the hungry of your brothers, the least of them, uh, that is, you fed the hungry, I should say. You fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When, Lord, when do we see you in prison? When my brothers, and the least of my brethren were in prison, you visited. Enter into the joy of the Lord, you blessed of the Lord. You righteous, you sheep, on my right hand. The ones who didn't do it, God said, you didn't do it. You didn't visit me in prison. You didn't. You refused to give me when I was hungry. You let me go hungry. You refused to clothe me. You saw me naked, but you let it go and fall on someone else to do it. You are concerned about your cozy bed and your warm hot chocolate. You are concerned about your nails and your hair and your clothing. You are concerned about your get-together with your family and you left me out in the dark, in the cold. When, Lord? Oh, God, when? We would have never done that if we knew it was you. Well, when you didn't do it to the least of my brothers, you didn't do it to me. You on my left hand, goats, depart from me. The everlasting darkness. Everlasting fire. Praise God, we're among the sheep. 
I'm so glad God was so loving to me and he has taught me that his banner of me is love. I'm called to love others as the Lord loved me and love others as I love myself. Now I have to think as I hear this message. Where am I exactly as uh, relating to the truth on this matter? Have I slacked off? Have I lost it? Am I doing it? Am I doing it fully? Our reward will be great. God will see to it that in this life he will make sure we never go hungry. King David said, I have been young and I am old. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. Never. And who's the righteous? The one who cares for the household of faith and for strangers. Blessed be the name of the Lord, shall we pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Move our hearts, Lord. Bowels of mercies. Move our hearts with deep compassion for our brothers and sisters who are suffering, destitute, afflicted, persecuted, families that don't have food. Oh Lord, help us to do our part. Oh Lord, help us to shift from a mode of selfishness and self-centeredness to a life of giving and sacrificial giving. Joyful giving, cheerful giving. Lord, help us to see what we have in our homes and begin to work. How we can distribute, especially things that we don't use, no matter how much they cost. And then those things that we use, but we know others have a need for them, especially when we have two of them. Oh, Father, I pray, help us be intentional. Help us to love. Help us to work through the church. When the call is made to give as a church body to those in need certain occasions and seasons. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to give above the tithe and above the offering to God in the local church. Go beyond and give to the poor as we've been hearing the messages. Hallelujah. May the divine order of God come into the heart and mind of thinking the family of every brother every sister to be well pleasing to God I thank you Father in Jesus mighty name Amen